Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Uh, today marks our first Sunday in Advent. Uh, we started it sort of a little early last week as we were talking about uh, Lottie Moon and international missions and how those go together and this uh, theme today. So this year, choosing the theme of Silent Night, Holy Night. Uh, it happens to be this is the 200-year anniversary of the original uh, debut performance of Silent Night in 1818 in Austria. So uh, it's a, a celebration to remember. So we'll be taking uh, each week a different part of the verse you'll see here. I uh, appreciate Becky Hawthorne for working this out, redoing it for me this year. But different banners that go along with each of the four weeks. Each verse, uh, something from that verse is represented there. And then it represents uh, a theme. Today is the, of course, we're starting off with Silent Night, Holy Night. Uh, but it's, uh, the key theme is that of peace. We'll be live in Canada with peace here in just a few moments. But uh, peace is something that uh, we all are seeking after and we're all looking for. It. So today we want to look at how to pursue peace, how to maintain peace, and how to share peace. But I came across a little story uh, about a couple trying to pursue peace, uh, but not necessarily uh, through the Lord. Uh, this was a, a couple who were getting ready to retire. And uh, this was back in the 70s. And uh, they had told me, the pastor said, well, pastor, one of these Christmases, you're going to get a Christmas card from us from some faraway place. Because he said, we have been looking, studying and traveling all over the world to find the safest place in case of war or nuclear attack. And, we, and when we find it, you'll get a card. Well, December... 1981, uh, I think it was 81, yeah, 1981, uh, the pastor got a card from this family saying, we're home safe in the Falkland Islands. <laughs> well, four months later, if you know much about history, England declared war on <laughs> Falkland Islands with Argentina, and it became a center of a war zone. So... Sometimes we try to seek peace in ways that, uh, well, we just can't have in the world. Peace is only in Jesus. And that's the key, the key aspect that we want to do. So with this in mind, we're going to take today, we're going to start with verse 1 of, uh, uh, give me a little bit more music here in the monitors. But uh, uh, let's sing the first verse here together. Oh, 
silent night, holy night, oh, that silent night, holy night so long ago, true peace came into the world. It came through the form of a birth of a child under the starlit night, that light that came into the world. And that's why we uh, have the tradition of lighting candles Christmas here to remind us of the light that came into the world. Uh, each Sunday we'll have different couples or individuals uh, to come and light and uh, we've got someone for next week, but if you're looking, maybe the third or fourth week, if you or two or three of you would like to come and, uh, and be a part of that, let me know. But Brother Lester and Miss Nancy, if you'll come on up, you can use this microphone right here. You can take it off if you need to. They will lead us in this. We enter this Advent season of waiting and anticipation by lighting the first candle, the silent night, holy night, candle of peace. That reminds us of that silent night, holy night, so long ago when heaven's peace came to earth. Let us all pray. We are thankful, O Lord, that you led Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, where in a simple manger the Prince of Peace was born. O Lord, let the light of your love shine in our hearts this Christmas season, and may we freely share the calm peace of God with everyone that we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lester and Nancy. Well, the theme of this silent night, holy night, is the candle of peace. Of course, we need to realize that Jesus is our peace. It's not found in a place uh, or people or finances or money or hopes or dreams, but it's in Jesus, and we need to make that for purpose and focus. Let's briefly talk a little bit about Silent Night, Holy Night, though, as a song, the history of it. Let's go back to 1816. Now, I doubt too many of you remember that, but 1816, 202 years ago. Claude, but Claude, you, you got a faint remembrance of that. But uh, uh, it, we, uh, it, was, it was in the area known as Austria today. They were in the midst of a lot of things. If you know your history, that was during the Napoleonic Wars. And uh, it was just a tremendously harsh, difficult time. People in that area. And uh, the wars were going on, and it was just, just anything but peace could be descriptive of that time. And on top of that, they were going through a cycle of some bad climate, sort of like what we're kind of coming into now, some climate uh, changes. They, they, it was a time when severe rains and storms were coming. And so it was just a bleak time. But into the picture, two young men, two young Austrian men. Uh, one was Joseph Bohr, who was born as an illegitimate child in a time when being an illegitimate child was really a, a terrible statement. And he grew up in very poor and impoverished conditions. But a local priest at the church uh, decided to take him under his wings and begin to give him free education and training. And Joseph Moore grew up and began to develop some really skills in music. Well, he joined the choir at 15, was working in the choir at the Abbey Choir there in, uh, 
in uh, Owendorf, Austria. And he soon then went into theological training. And he became one of the youngest priests. About 22, 23 years old, he became uh, a priest. And he actually had to get special rec uh, 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 recognition from the Pope because he was uh, illegitimate. And they, in those days, did not allow that. So he was an extremely sharp young man. And he began to work with different individuals and leading those. And one of the churches that he worked with in a neighboring town about two miles away, there was a young man by the name of Franz Gruber who was also very musically talented. A few years younger, and he was sort of the organist, and Joseph Moore was the, the, the priest, assistant priest at the time. So they grew close together, and they worked together a good bit. That was up until 1816. Well, now let's think of Christmas Eve, 1818. Joseph Moore pulls out this poem that he had written two years before, and he realized, you know, I don't have any new songs for the Midnight Mass tonight. So he said, what can I do? He looked at that poem, just really wanted that, that poem, that song to be sung, so, but it had no music. So during the day, this was on Christmas Eve day, he walked the two miles uh, to Orangedorf in Austria and found Franz Gruber there and said, Franz, I need your help. We need music for this song and we need it for tonight. And I'm sure he said for tonight. And so amazingly, within a couple of hours, Franz Gruber wrote the team that we know now as Silent Night, Holy Night. Well, Stile Nacht, Heilig Nacht in German, what they would have said. But they wrote that song, and then they began to practice. And they didn't have time to write out all the stuff for the organ, and, and some traditions say that the organ was not working. So they picked up a guitar and began to practice, and they sang together. And then about that time, some of the, the Abbey Choir came in, and they practiced it, and they presented it that night in 1818 to a crowd that just fell in love with it. And it began to spread and spread and spread. It took a few years, but within a few years, there's a couple of families. Any of you seen the movie The Sound of Music and the Von Trapp Singers? Imagine a group like that. About two or three of those groups that were traveling all through Europe. And so they just happened to independently pick this song to add to the repertoire. And so it spread throughout Europe all the way to England and also to the United States in the early 1800s. In the 1800s, it was sung here in the United States. Uh, and a, another minister wrote in, into English, the English that we have today. He took the German and put it in the English that we have today. But this, this song, Silent Night, Holy Night, and its theme of peace, and calm, and bright, became one of the most popular and well-loved, and even today, is still there. Now, today we celebrate 200 years of it. But about 100 years ago, during World War I, 1914, Silent Night, Holy Night came into play and began to do its work of peace and calm. Of course, if you know the story, the Germans fighting at this point was against the British. They both were in their foxholes or mouseholes, as some of them called them. They were there. It was Christmas Eve day. Well, as Sunset on Christmas Eve, the English heard 
some sound. Of course, they were only a couple hundred, maybe a hundred yards or so away from each other in, the, in their, their foxholes. But they began to hear something. And they listened very carefully. And they heard just massive group of men singing, Steely Dark, I the good dark, which is Silent Night, Holy Night in their German language. And the British, not knowing German, but they knew that tune, they began to sing it in English. And a few started kind of making signs at peace. And so one of the British soldiers stepped up, laid his gun down, and began to walk out. And a German soldier did the same. Before you know it, whole large crowds of British and Germans came together. And they began to exchange pins and badges and caps and just kind of talk the best they could. Some food. They even played a game of footy, which is what they call soccer over there at that time. Footy. And so they began to play and it got, it got dark and so they, they, they separated. Well, the next day they wanted to keep it going so they came back together again Enjoyed a meal that morning and played and enjoyed the fellowship. But about that time, another reinforcements were coming in, and they knew, well, they're not going to understand us fraternizing with the enemy. So the Germans and the British both kind of looked at each other and shook hands. And many of the Germans who spoke English would say, you know, we don't want to be here, but we're made to be here. And so they separated off. And about that time, the bombs started dropping again, and the war started back. But for a few moments, on that silent night, holy night, about 100 years after it was written, about 100 years ago, it made a difference. It made a difference in between enemies. Well, there's a lot of enemies today in the world, people that are at odds with people because of the way they look, color of their skin, or the language they speak, or the religion they have, or the region of the world they live in, or their political position. I think you would agree with me that we need a silent night, holy night, revival of peace. That's not going to come through governments. It's not going to come through science, technology, and developments. All those things are good. But if those things would have brought peace, they would have brought peace already. Because we've got technology all over the place. We've got politics. We've got money. We've got things. And there's still no peace. You see, it's only through Jesus that we're going to find true, genuine peace. This is a picture of the church from 1818 that... Uh, Franz Gruber and Joseph Moore sang in right there on the banks of the Salzburg River. Unfortunately, it was a, a region that was flood prone, so he got washed away. And a few years later, they, they built this little memorial chapel in Obendorf, Austria. <coughs> and over to the right, inside there is this guitar. And that was the very guitar that Franz Gruber played that night in the celebration of that. This is a, a little stained glass mirror inside there with Joseph Moore there. And then I've got a picture of Franz Gruber over here on the left. This is a facsimile of, in 1836, Franz Gruber, because it was so popular, he, he was getting so much um, uh, word to write it down, he wrote this down and 
course, it was originally six verses. Now, you can't read that. You couldn't read it anyway unless you read German. But uh, it, that just shows the very simplicity of it. But it set the stage for uh, people to just grow and minister and reach out and do a great amount of things. And as I mentioned, just uh, about 60, 70 years after this was when it was sung to bring peace in the world today. Well, with that in mind, oh, that's just a little picture of the truth there. But with that in mind, let's kind of close out here with just a few little points about peace, pursuing it, maintaining it, and sharing it in a world that is desperately in need of it. Let's share a few verses of scripture here to just kind of lay the foundation to make sure that we understand that it's God's design to bring peace. That's what he wants. Isaiah 9. This is 700 years or so before Jesus was born on the earth. The prophet said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And verse 6 is one you'll be recognizing. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of well, let's move forward uh, to the time of right after Jesus. Uh, the Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians 2, it says, For he, talking about Christ himself, is our peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity or the war. And he came, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through Christ, through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So this peace, this prince of peace that had been prophesied, well, it's Christ. And it, it was clearly laid out here. He is our peace. And he's the one that brings us that access to the, to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And then another verse that kind of lays them out, the, continuing that peace in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, we talked about peace with God in the last verse, peace of God in this one. Well, let's look at it uh, and kind of the, to remind ourselves there are really three types of peace that we need to be pursuing. Uh, number one is spiritual peace, which is peace with God. And really, that's what salvation is. Salvation. Jesus came to make, bring peace to God because our sin had broken us apart. And that word enmity, that's the big word that they used, that separation between us, an enmity, a warring, a, a separation. And we in our own human flesh, our abilities and our knowledge and our skill cannot bridge that gap. Only by Jesus coming and Providing a way for us to trust in him was the way to raise that gap. So spiritual peace, that's where true peace, if we're going to have peace in the world, it starts right here with spiritual peace. That means you have your peace with God. You, you probably heard the old saying, make your peace with God. Well, we should. We need to make peace with God. And that comes through trusting in Jesus and putting him in our hearts. And when we have that, when we pursue peace with God, then the emotional peace of God 
resides in us. That's the, the peace that's internal, that most of us really think about, internal uh, peace that we want within our hearts. We're never going to have that. No amount of money or family. You can have a great marriage and great family and still not have peace. You can have plenty of money, secure job. That doesn't mean you have peace. True peace comes when we place our trust in God through Jesus. And then when Jesus comes into our hearts, he brings the very peace of God to dwell within us, to live within us. That's that emotional peace, the peace of God. You want peace in your life, it starts with putting your trust in Jesus. But it doesn't end there. We place our trust in God, his peace dwells within us, but it's to be channeled out to others. That's relational peace, peace with one another. Scriptures are clear. It says to pursue peace and to seek peace with those that are around you. It is, it is important that we have this. Listen to a couple of these verses. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and the holiness for which no one will see without the Lord. Romans 12, 18. If it's if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all people. And then a couple of chapters later, 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We talk about peace, but we're going to have to pursue peace. We have to do more than talk, talk peace. We've got to put it in action. We have to make those efforts. Uh, and, um, I preached, I talked about, uh, preached about peace before, so I'm just going to give you just these quick five little things to make sure to put in your mind and to, re, to remind you that number one, we need to understand that living in peace is both an outward and an inward process. Both of those have to work together. Secondly, we need to seek to love, not control others. Peace is not controlling other people. Number three, we need to be respectful of people and listen with love. And then number four, we need to seek forgiveness and offer forgiveness and not revenge. And then lastly, remember that every person is a masterpiece of God's loving creation. Jesus died for them, and so they're deserving of our peace, our effort, and our love. Amen? Amen. That's something that we have to pursue. We want peace in the world. We've got to step out and let the love and peace of Jesus in us to others. People that, like the British and the German, that were at war. Well, there's a world out there that's at war with God, with peace. And we need to bring about that reconciliation, that wholeness, and that peace. And to pursue peace. We also need to maintain it. So these few points kind of pull together pursuing and maintaining. Let's look at them very quickly and briefly. Number one, if we want peace, we must obey God's word. Okay, It's vital that we trust in the Lord and that we allow his word to, <coughs> to dwell within our hearts and to obey us. We cannot expect to experience peace, live in peace and to share peace if we're not following what God's plan is. His plan, His will. It's sort of our owner's manual that guides us into how to live. So you, you all know this, but I just want to remind you, obeying God, reading His Word, and knowing His Word 
is a vital aspect of that. Secondly, if we want God's peace, we must focus on God's presence. If we're looking and worried about all the world and all the troubles around us and all the, the enmity between people, it just magnifies. It. it just gets bigger and bigger. But if we will focus on God and let the presence of Jesus dwell within us, it sort of centers us. It gives us a stability. Because we're going to have strife. We're going to have tribulations. There's going to be storms of physical storms, emotional storms, relational storms, you name it. We're going to have those. So it's not that trusting in Jesus keeps you from having storms in your life. It just helps to stabilize you so that you can ride it out in victory and hope. But you must obey his word. and You must focus on his presence or else you will get distracted by all the activities of the good and bad that we have around us. Third, if we want God's peace, we must trust God's purposes. One of my favorite verses, which we're all singing, uh, probably know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you know it, say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We need to trust in the Lord. If you don't trust in the Lord, you will never have peace. Never have peace. Because it's clear the Bible teaches, and experience has proven that it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have peace. So, trust God's purposes. And then lastly, if we want God's peace, we need to ask for it. And really, that kind of has the idea of talking about how prayer and peace go together. The order, notice the order. You first pray, and then you have peace. This is that, that order here in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We need to seek peace beginning with prayer. We need, as old uh, prayer of St. Francis Sisby, make me an instrument of thy peace. That's something that we need to pray for. We need to seek after it. We need to desire it. Because if we focus on the world and all those things, we're going to get distressed. If we focus on our problems, we're going to get depressed. But if we focus on Jesus, we're going to be at rest. And that's where I want to be. That's where I want you to be. And then I want so that we can then share that with others that are separated and that are... Don't have an understanding of what true peace is. Don't even know how to get there. That's why Christmas is so important that it has that missions concept, that evangelist concept, is that we trust in Jesus, he fills with this peace, and then we're able to share that peace and live in peace with others. But until the world sees it in you and me, in Christians like us, they'll never know what it is. Every single one of you here, every single one of us, we have a network of people around us that we influence. And you influence different than I do. People that I'll never be able to influence. Every one of us needs to realize we are valuable instruments of peace. How useful will you be is up to you. But I want to challenge you to choose peace 
pursue it and seek after it and share that peace with others. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.